February 19 to 25 of Morning and Evening Daily Readings. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Morning and Evening Daily Readings by Charles Spurgeon. Morning, February 19th. Thus said the Lord, I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 37 Prayer is the forerunner of mercy. Turn to sacred history and you will find that scarcely ever did a great mercy come to this world unheralded by supplication. You have found this true in your own personal experience. God has given you many an unsolicited favour, but still great prayer has always been the prelude of great mercy with you. When you first found peace through the blood of the cross, you had been praying much and earnestly interceding with God that he would remove your doubts and deliver you from your distresses. Your assurance was the result of prayer. When at any time you have had high and rapturous joys, you have been obliged to look upon them as answers to your prayers. When you have had great deliverances out of sore troubles and mighty helps in great dangers, you have been able to say, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. Prayer is always the preface to blessing. It goes before the blessing as the blessing's shadow. When the sunlight of God's mercies rises upon our necessities, it casts the shadow of prayer far down upon the plain. Or, to use another illustration, when God piles up a hill of mercies, he himself shines behind them and he casts on our spirits the shadow of prayer, so that we may rest certain. If we are much in prayer, our pleadings are the shadows of mercy. Prayer is thus connected with the blessing to show us the value of it. If we had the blessings without asking for them, we should think them common things, but prayer makes our mercies more precious than diamonds. The things we ask for are precious, but we do not realize their preciousness until we have sought for them earnestly. Prayer makes the darkened cloud withdraw. Prayer climbs the ladder Jacob saw, gives exercise to faith and love, brings every blessing from above. February 19th. He first findeth his own brother Simon. John chapter 1 verse 41. This case is an excellent pattern of all cases where spiritual life is vigorous. As soon as a man has found Christ, he begins to find others. I will not believe that thou hast tasted of the honey of the gospel if thou canst eat it all thyself. True grace puts an end to all spiritual monopoly. Andrew first found his brother Simon, and then others. Relationship has a very strong demand upon our first individual efforts. Andrew, thou didst well to begin with Simon. I doubt whether there are not some Christians giving away tracts at other people's houses who would do well to give away a tract at their own, whether there are not some engaged in works of usefulness abroad who are neglecting their special sphere of usefulness at home. Thou mayst or thou mayst not be called to evangelize the people in any particular locality, but certainly thou art called to see after thine own servants, thine own kinsfolk and acquaintance. Let thy religion begin at home, Many tradesmen export their best commodities. The Christian should not. He should have all his conversation, everywhere of the best savour, but let him have a care to put forth 
the sweetest fruit of spiritual life and testimony in his own family. When Andrew went to find his brother, he little imagined how eminent Simon would become. Simon Peter was worth ten Andrews so far as we can gather from sacred history, and yet Andrew was instrumental in bringing him to Jesus. You may be very deficient in talent yourself, and yet you may be the means of drawing to Christ one who shall become eminent in grace and service. Ah, dear friend, you little know the possibilities which are in you. You may but speak a word to a child, and in that child there may be slumbering a noble heart which shall stir the Christian church in years to come. Andrew has only two talents, but he finds Peter. Go thou and do likewise. Morning, February 20. God that comforteth those that are cast down. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 6. And who comforteth like him? Go to some poor, melancholy, distressed child of God. Tell him sweet promises and whisper in his ear choice words of comfort. He is like the deaf adder. He listens not to the voice of the charmer, charm he ever so wisely. He is drinking gall and wormwood, and comfort him as you may. It will be only a note or two of mournful resignation that you will get from him. You will bring forth no psalms of praise, no hallelujahs, no joyful sonnets. But let God come to this child. Let him lift up his countenance, and the mourner's eyes glisten with hope. Do you not hear him sing? Tis paradise if thou art here, if thou depart, tis hell. You could not have cheered him, but the Lord has done it. He is the God of all comfort. There is no balm in Gilead, but there is balm in God. There is no physician among the creatures, but the Creator is Jehovah Rophi. It is marvellous how one sweet word of God will make whole songs for Christians. One word of God is like a piece of gold, and the Christian is the gold beater, and can hammer that promise out for whole weeks. So then, poor Christian, thou needest not sit down in despair. Go to the Comforter, and ask him to give thee consolation. Thou art a poor dry well. You have heard it said that when a pump is dry, you must pour water down it first of all, and then you will get water. And so, Christian, when thou art dry, go to God, ask him to shed abroad his joy in thy heart, and then thy joy shall be full. Do not go to earthly acquaintances, for you will find them Job's comforters after all. But go first and foremost to thy God that comforteth those that are cast down. And you will soon say, In the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. Evening, February 20. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Matthew chapter 4 verse 1. A holy character does not avert temptation. Jesus was tempted. When Satan tempts us, his sparks fall upon tinder, but in Christ's case it was like striking sparks on water. Yet the enemy continued his evil work. Now, if the devil goes on striking when there is no result, how much more will he do it when he knows what inflammable stuff our hearts are made of? Though you become greatly sanctified by the Holy Ghost, expect that the great dog of hell will bark at you still. In the haunts of men we expect to be tempted. But even seclusion will not guard us from the same trial. Jesus Christ was led away from human society into the wilderness 
and was tempted of the devil. Solitude has its charms and its benefits, and may be useful in checking the lust of the eye and the pride of life, but the devil will follow us into the most lovely retreats. Do not suppose that it is only the worldly-minded who have dreadful thoughts and blasphemous temptations, for even spiritual-minded persons endure the same, and in the holiest position we may suffer the darkest temptation. The utmost consecration of spirit will not ensure you against satanic temptation. Christ was consecrated through and through. It was his meat and drink to do the will of him that sent him, and yet he was tempted. Your hearts may glow with a seraphic flame of love to Jesus, and yet the devil will try to bring you down to Laodicean lukewarmness. If you will tell me when God permits a Christian to lay aside his armour, I will tell you when Satan has left off temptation. Like the old knights in wartime, we must sleep with helmet and breastplate, buckled on, for the arch-deceiver will seize our first unguarded hour to make us his prey. The Lord keep us watchful in all seasons, and give us a final escape from the jaw of the lion and the paw of the bear. Morning, February 21st. He hath said. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. If we can only grasp these words by faith, we have an all-conquering weapon in our hand. What doubt will not be slain by this two-edged sword? What fear is there which shall not fall smitten with a deadly wound before his arrow from the bow of God's covenant? Will not the distresses of life and the pangs of death, will not the corruptions within and the snares without, will not the trials from above and the temptations from beneath, all seem but light afflictions when we can hide ourselves beneath the bulwark of he hath said? Yes, whether for delight in our quietude or for strength in our conflict, he hath said, must be our daily resort. And this may teach us the extreme value of searching the scriptures. There may be a promise in the word which would exactly fit your case, but you may not know of it, and therefore you miss its comfort. You are like prisoners in a dungeon, and there may be one key in the bunch which would unlock the door, and you might be free. But if you will not look for it, you may remain a prisoner still, though liberty is so near at hand. There may be a potent medicine in the great pharmacopoeia of scripture, and you may yet continue sick unless you examine and search the scriptures to discover what he hath said. Should you not, besides reading the Bible, store your memories richly with the promises of God? You can recollect the sayings of great men, you treasure up the verses of renowned poets. Ought you not to be profound in your knowledge of the words of God so that you may be able to quote them readily when you would solve a difficulty or overthrow a doubt? Since he hath said is the source of all wisdom and the fountain of all comfort, let it dwell in you richly as a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. So shall you grow healthy, strong, and happy in the divine life. Evening, February 21st understandest thou what thou readest acts chapter 8 verse 30 we should be abler teachers of others and less liable to be carried about by every wind of doctrine if we sought to have a more intelligent understanding of the world of god as the holy ghost the author of the scriptures is he who alone can enlighten us rightly to understand them 
we should constantly ask his teaching and his guidance into all truth. When the prophet Daniel would interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream, what did he do? He set himself to earnest prayer that God would open up the vision. The apostle John, in his vision at Patmos, saw a book sealed with seven seals which none was found worthy to open, or so much as to look upon. The book was afterwards opened by the lion of the tribe of Judah, who had prevailed to open it. But it is written first, I wept much. The tears of John, which were his liquid prayers, were, so far as he was concerned, the sacred keys by which the folded book was open. Therefore, if, for your own and others' profiting, you desire to be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, remember that prayer is your best means of study. Like Daniel, you shall understand the dream and the interpretation thereof when you have sought unto God. And like John, you shall see the seven seals of precious truth unloosened after you have wept much. Stones are not broken except by an earnest use of the hammer and the stonebreaker must go down on his knees. Use the hammer of diligence and let the knee of prayer be exercised and there is not a stony doctrine in revelation which is used for you to understand which will not fly into shivers under the exercise of prayer and faith. You may force your way through anything with the leverage of prayer. Thoughts and reasonings are like the steel wedges which give a hold upon truth. But prayer is the lever, the prize which forces open the iron chest of sacred mystery, that we may get the treasure hidden within. Morning, February 22nd. His bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. Genesis chapter 49 verse 24 That strength which God gives to his Josephs is real strength. It is not a boasted valour, a fiction, a thing of which men talk, but which ends in smoke. It is a true, divine strength. Why does Joseph stand against temptation? Because God gives him aid. There is naught that we can do without the power of God. All true strength comes from the mighty God of Jacob. Noticed in what a blessedly familiar way God gives this strength to Joseph. The arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. Thus God is represented as putting his hands on Joseph's hands, placing his arms on Joseph's arms. Like as a father teaches his children, so the Lord teaches them that fear him. He puts his arms upon them. Marvellous condescension. God Almighty, eternal, omnipotent, stoops from his throne and lays his hand upon the child's hand, stretching his arm upon the arm of Joseph, that he may be made strong. The strength was also covenant strength, for it is ascribed to the mighty God of Jacob. Now, wherever you read of the God of Jacob in the Bible, you should remember the covenant with Jacob. Christians love to think of God's covenant. All the power, all the grace, all the blessings, all the mercies, all the comforts, all the things we have, flow to us from the wellhead through the covenant. If there were no covenant, then we should fail indeed, for all grace proceeds from it, as light and heat from the sun. No angels ascend or descend, save upon that ladder which Jacob saw, at the top of which stood a covenant God. Christian, it may be that the archers have sorely grieved you, and shot at you, and wounded you, 
but still your bow abides in strength. Be sure then to ascribe all the glory to Jacob's God. Evening, February 22nd. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. Nahum chapter 1 verse 3. Jehovah is slow to anger. When mercy cometh into the world, she driveth winged steeds. The axles of her chariot wheels are red hot with speed. But when wrath goeth forth, it toileth on with tardy footsteps. For God taketh no pleasure in the sinner's death. God's rod of mercy is ever in his hands outstretched. His sword of justice is in its scabbard, held down by that pierced hand of love which bled for the sins of men. The Lord is slow to anger, because he is great in power. He is truly great in power, who hath power over himself. When God's power doth restrain himself, then it is power indeed. The power that binds omnipotence is omnipotence surpassed. A man who has a strong mind can bear to be insulted long and only resents the wrong when a sense of right demands his action. The weak mind is irritated at a little. The strong mind bears it like a rock which moveth not, though a thousand breakers dash upon it and cast their pitiful malice in spray upon its summit. God marketh his enemies, and yet he bestirs not himself, but holdeth in his anger. If he were less divine than he is, he would long ere this have sent forth the whole of his thunders, and emptied the magazines of heaven. He would long ere this have blasted the earth with the wondrous fires of its lower regions, and man would have been utterly destroyed. But the greatness of his power brings us mercy. Dear reader, what is your state this evening? Can you by humble faith look to Jesus and say, my substitute, thou art my rock, my trust? Then, beloved, be not afraid of God's power, for by faith you have fled to Christ for refuge. The power of God need no more terrify you than the shield and sword of the warrior need terrify those whom he loves. Rather rejoice that he who is great in power is your father and friend. Morning, February 23rd. I will never leave thee. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 No promise is of private interpretation. Whatever God has said to any one saint, he has said to all. When he opens a well for one, it is that all may drink. When he openeth a granary door to give out food, there may be some one starving man who is the occasion of its being opened, but all hungry saints may come and feed too. Whether he gave the word to Abraham or to Moses matters not. O believer, he has given it to thee as one of the covenanted seed. There is not a high blessing too lofty for thee, nor a wide mercy too extensive for thee. Lift up now thine eyes to the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, for all this is thine. Climb to Pisgah's top and view the utmost limit of the divine promise, for the land is all thine own. There is not a brook of living water of which thou mayst not drink. If the land floweth with milk and honey, eat the honey and drink the milk, for both are thine. Be thou bold to believe, for he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. In this promise God gives to his people everything. I will never leave thee, then no attribute of God can cease to be engaged for us. Is he mighty? He will show himself strong on the behalf of them that trust him. Is he love? Then with loving kindness will he have mercy upon us. 
whatever attributes may compose the character of deity every one of them to its fullest extent shall be engaged on our side to put everything in one there is nothing you can want there is nothing you can ask for there is nothing you can need in time or in eternity there is nothing living nothing dying there is nothing in this world nothing in the next world there is nothing now nothing at the resurrection morning nothing in heaven which is not contained in this text i will never leave thee nor forsake thee evening february 23rd take up the cross and follow me mark chapter 10 verse 21 you have not the making of your own cross although unbelief is a master carpenter at cross-making neither are you permitted to choose your own cross although self-will would fain be lord and master but your cross is prepared and appointed for you by divine love and you are cheerfully to accept it you are to take up the cross as your chosen badge and burden and not to stand cavilling at it this night jesus bids you submit your shoulder to his easy yoke do not kick at it in petulance or trample on it in vainglory or fall under it in despair or run away from it in fear but take it up like a true follower of jesus jesus was a cross-bearer he leads the way in the path of sorrow surely you could not desire a better guide and if he carried a cross what nobler burden would you desire the via crucis is the way of safety fear not to tread its thorny paths beloved the cross is not made of feathers or lined with velvet it is heavy and galling to disobedient shoulders but it is not an iron cross though your fears have painted it with iron colours it is a wooden cross and a man can carry it for the man of sorrows tried the load take up your cross and by the power of the spirit of god you will soon be so in love with it that like moses you would not exchange the reproach of christ for all the treasures of egypt remember that jesus carried it and it will smell sweetly remember that it will soon be followed by the crown and the thought of the coming weight of glory will greatly lighten the present heaviness of trouble the lord help you to bow your spirit in submission to the divine will ere you fall asleep this night that waking with tomorrow's sun you may go forth to the day's cross with the holy and submissive spirit which becomes a follower of the crucified morning february twenty fourth i will cause the shower to come down in his season there shall be showers of blessing ezekiel chapter thirty four verse twenty six here is sovereign mercy i will give them the shower in its season is it not sovereign divine mercy for who can say i will give them showers except god there is only one voice which can speak to the clouds and bid them beget the rain who sendeth down the rain upon the earth who scattereth the showers upon the green herb do not i the lord so grace is the gift of god and is not to be created by man it is also needed grace what would the ground do without showers you may break the clods you may sow your seeds but what can you do without the rain as absolutely needful is the divine blessing in vain your labour until god the plenteous shower bestows and sends salvation down then it is plenteous grace i will send them showers it does not say 
I will send them drops, but showers. So it is with grace. If God gives a blessing, he usually gives it in such a measure that there is not room enough to receive it. Plenteous grace. Ah, we want plenteous grace to keep us humble, to make us prayerful, to make us holy. Plenteous grace to make us zealous, to preserve us through this life, and at last to land us in heaven. We cannot do without saturating showers of grace. Again, it is seasonable grace. I will cause the shower to come down in his season. What is thy season this morning? Is it the season of drought? Then that is the season for showers. Is it a season of great heaviness and black clouds? Then that is the season for showers. As thy days, so shall thy strength be. And here is a varied blessing. I will give thee showers of blessing. The word is in the plural. All kinds of blessings God will send. All God's blessings go together, like links in a golden chain. If he gives converting grace, he will also give comforting grace. He will send showers of blessing. Look up today, O parched plant, and open thy leaves and flowers for a heavenly watering. Evening, February 24th. O Lord of hosts, how long wilt thou not have mercy upon Jerusalem? And the Lord answered the angel with good words and comfortable words. Zechariah chapter 1 verses 12 and 13. What a sweet answer to an anxious inquiry. This night let us rejoice in it. O Zion, there are good things in store for thee. Thy time of travail shall soon be over. Thy children shall be brought forth. Thy captivity shall end. Bear patiently the rod for a season, and under the darkness still trust in God, for his love burneth towards thee. God loves the church with a love too deep for human imagination. He loves her with all his infinite heart. Therefore, let her sons be of good courage. She cannot be far from prosperity, to whom God speaketh good words and comfortable words. What these comfortable words are the prophet goes on to tell us. I am jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with a great jealousy. The Lord loves his church so much that he cannot bear that she should go astray to others, and when she has done so, he cannot endure that she should suffer too much or too heavily. He will not have his enemies afflict her. He is displeased with them because they increase her misery. When God seems most to leave his church, his heart is warm towards her. History shows that whenever God uses a rod to chasten his servants, he always breaks it afterwards, as if he loathed the rod which gave his children pain. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. God hath not forgotten us because he smites. His blows are no evidences of want of love. If this is true of the church collectively, it is of necessity true also of each individual member. You may fear that the Lord has passed you by, but it is not so. He who counts the stars and calls them by their names is in no danger of forgetting his own children. He knows your case as thoroughly as if you were the only creature he ever made, or the only saint he ever loved. Approach him and be at peace. Morning, February 25th. The Wrath to Come. Matthew, chapter 3, verse 7. It is pleasant to pass over a country after a storm has spent itself. 
to smell the freshness of the herbs after the rain has passed away and to note the drops while they glisten like purest diamonds in the sunlight that is the position of a christian he is going through a land where the storm has spent itself upon his saviour's head and if there be a few drops of sorrow falling they distill from clouds of mercy and jesus cheers him by the assurance that they are not for his destruction but how terrible is it to witness the approach of a tempest to note the forewarnings of the storm to mark the birds of heaven as they droop their wings to see the cattle as they lay their heads low in terror to discern the face of the sky as it groweth black and look to the sun which shineth not and the heavens which are angry and frowning how terrible to await the dread advance of a hurricane such as occurs sometimes in the tropics to wait in terrible apprehension till the wind shall rush forth in fury tearing up trees from their roots forcing rocks from their pedestals and hurling down all the dwelling places of man and yet sinner this is your present position no hot drops have as yet fallen but a shower of fire is coming no terrible winds howl around you but god's tempest is gathering its dread artillery as yet the water floods are dammed up by mercy but the floodgates shall soon be opened the thunderbolts of god are yet in his storehouse but lo the tempest hastens and how awful shall that moment be when god robed in vengeance shall march forth in fury where 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 o sinner wilt thou hide thy head or whither wilt thou flee o oh, that the hand of mercy may now lead you to christ he is freely set before you in the gospel his riven side is the rock of shelter thou knowest thy need of him believe in him cast thyself upon him and then the fury shall be overpassed forever evening february twenty fifth but jonah rose up to flee unto tarshish from the presence of the lord and went down to joppa jonah chapter one verse three instead of going to nineveh to preach the word as god bade him jonah disliked the work and went down to joppa to escape from it there are occasions when god's servants shrink from duty but what is the consequence what did jonah lose by his conduct he lost the presence and comfortable enjoyment of god's love when we serve our lord jesus as believers should do our god is with us and though we have the whole world against us if we have god with us what does it matter but the moment we start back and seek our own inventions we are at sea without a pilot then may we bitterly lament and groan out o oh my god where hast thou gone how could i have been so foolish as to shun thy service and in this way to lose all the bright shinings of thy face this is a price too high let me return to my allegiance that i may rejoice in thy presence in the next place jonah lost all peace of mind sin soon destroys a believer's comfort it is the poisonous upas tree from whose leaves distill deadly drops which destroy the life of joy and peace jonah lost everything upon which he might have drawn for comfort in any other case he could not plead the promise of divine protection for he was not in god's ways he could not say lord 
I meet with these difficulties in the discharge of my duty. Therefore help me through them. He was reaping his own deeds. He was filled with his own ways. Christian, do not play the Jonah unless you wish to have all the waves and the billows rolling over your head. You will find in the long run that it is far harder to shun the work and will of God than to at once yield yourself to it. Jonah lost his time, for he had to go to Nineveh after all. It is hard to contend with God. Let us yield ourselves at once. End of February 19 to 25